So they get taken off, right? They're going to the fucking mysterious van party, right? Whatever the fuck that means at this point in time. And you I'm know like, what right, it means, cool. Dylan. I do now. I didn't know then. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm expecting them to get fucking put like they just okay. Well, they just got kidnapped, right? They're in a fucking van. I don't know what the van party means. <laughs> And what is up? It is White Trash Donnie, your trashiest host. Welcome to the Sloppy Syndicate Show. We have a lively bunch in the green room waiting to come on. That is the band Zeta. They are based out of New Orleans, or Nolens, however you want to call it. Uh, rock and roll with a little bit of blues with them. Um, so listening to their music, I would sum it up. Uh, Led Zeppelin, Steely Dam, uh, Rolling Stones, and Joe Satriani had a baby. Um, you would get Zeta. Uh, so without further ado, let's bring on the Good Time crew, and let's give them a round of applause. Yeah. Right, quiet down. Quiet down out there. So, yeah. Awesome. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure having you. Uh, we got Michael P. in the house already. Thanks for joining us, Michael yeah. So how are we doing today? Good. Thank you for having Good us, man. It's going to be a fun one. Well, Absolutely. So um, my analogy of Zeppelin, Steely Dan, Stones, and Satriani, uh, I think sums you guys up pretty well as far as uh, your musical uh, sound. Um, so 2020, um, you guys released the, the Zeta EP. Um, now, is that when the band formed or tell us a little more about the band? Yeah, so the band did... I guess it's interesting if you qualify, if you, if you qualify both of our uh, works that are currently out right now, I guess the first one um, would be best summed up as the point from when we met to the point from when we changed the name from what it originally was to Zeta, which was next gen five. And I think you can obviously tell at that point why we would want to change the name. So all the songs that were written and put out on the EP were actually written uh, in that period, you know, kind of that buffer period before we became what we are now, at least that's kind of what we like to classify it as. And uh, it was probably, it's something that we hold dear and near to us, but it's something that also helped us get our footing. And it's something that kind of like, really set and paved the way for what was to come in the next project, uh, in my opinion, at least. Awesome. So, yeah, definitely a rock and roll bluesy type of vibe. Uh, and then we got uh, David Wimbley, Brad Keller looking handsome as always. Hell so. yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Good old Davey. What's up, baby? All right. Watching. So, uh, again, thanks for, for tuning in. Um, so, you know, the band kind of formed that we uh, kind of spoke about that. Um, so with such a unique vibe or a unique sound, uh, what are some of your musical influences when it comes to creating music? Because I hear so many, so many influential pieces to your music. I couldn't figure out how to use my hand, but I have a meters poster up here. So being from New Orleans, all of us, except for Kai, who's from Japan, we all, uh, and even Kai to an extent, because his dad's from New Orleans, we all kind of have been around New Orleans funk music all of our lives. So I think that is, at least in my, like, in my vision of what the band is, is like one of the things that sets us apart from a lot of other rock bands is we have sort of that deep down South funky sort of thing going on on top of it, like a little cherry on top, you know? Yeah. And then, um... Definitely some Almond Brothers in there and such as well, but man, like uh, to bring out the meters, man, even that's that's yeah, that's a big part of us. The more I look into that, and then me being able to jam with George and tour with him and Michael uh, jamming with him as well, that brings a whole new little sprinkle of elements there, man. Yeah, it's kind of like a from from the beginning of, I mean, as as, far, as long as I can remember playing music, I knew about the meters were something I was aware about. And it was like, I didn't really find my musical footing, like in terms of like what genre I felt at home or style I felt at home in the most uh, until I was about 15. But New Orleans funk was always there. And I think that's, that's something that we all, no matter what, no matter what we do, no matter what we're writing or jamming on, that's something that we all can kind of relate on. Like literally it's actually been during COVID actually when we were rehearsing like two or three times a week, literally every single rehearsal the first thing we would do when we got in the room we'd have an agenda and everything planned out but the first thing we would do when we got in the room is do a funk jam like literally every single day 
and we have like tapes of it but we, and we have it we just never named any of them we never really did anything with any of the songs it's just like that's kind of our feel good like go to uh, instinctual like musical mm. um kumbaya it's the warm up jam yeah <laughs> right yep and every now and then you get like some random 80 shit for me or some aerosmith Right, throwing in the throwing in the game changer there, just like bam. So you go from <laughs> funkadelic to uh, some some old school. Yeah, like uh, Cars yeah. by Gary Newman. <laughs> that one pops out a lot. <laughs> what was the most recent one? Like last week? Uh, Hungry like the wolf is what you were jamming on. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to request uh, presidents of the United States, uh, peaches or a little blue dune buggy, please. So no. <laughs> oh, we could probably do. The thing is, like, we know they're they're all buried in there in that subconscious, but like, we just play them and we don't know the titles, and that's what happened with the Gary Gary Newman thing. Now we throw it in every song in rehearsal, and it's like, it's not good. We should probably stop it. You know, <laughs> we ignored our rehearsal agenda and spent forty five minutes trying to figure out what song <laughs> was from. So, uh, Brad and Kai, uh, don't talk too much, but uh, what are some of your musical influences? Shit. Definitely, definitely Zeppelin. I'm a big, I'm a big John Mayer fan, low key. That okay. man, uh, that man doesn't really miss too many notes. And same with uh, Derek Trucks. Not too big, not too big on slide myself, but just like, just that sort of playing. It's in, it's insane. So I'm undercover uh, Beaver fan and uh, Ed Sheeran. So yeah, that's a fun yeah. <laughs> just Ed good Sheeran yeah, man, there's nothing wrong. Like, well, I don't know. Is being a rock band, I think people expect us to be purists about it. Kai, are you saying something? I saw his mouth moving. I can't hear him. Kai. Kai, come on. You can't mess Kai. it up again. This is this is strike two, Kai. Can you hear me? Can you not hear me? I don't know if you can, can hear me. Can you hear me? If you can hear me, put two fingers up. Well, Kai is just, he's just going to be the model for the show. He's, he's the it's model. All right. he's, oh, he's he just put two fingers up. Okay. Oh. Speaketh, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all right. We'll, we'll just let him be the model for the show. Just sit there and smile, Kai. Sit there and smile. <laughs> Kai, Kai, also known as Steve Perry. Oh, yeah. Somebody said he looked like Steve Perry. I'm not sure. That was the chef at the hibachi restaurant, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, where does the name Zeta come from? So you, you spoke on your previous name, and uh, and hopefully I'm saying it right. Zeta, Zeta. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Zeta. So, so I think the story goes something like we um, – so we used to rehearse at my dad's old house, and like for no reason there's just this little ghost that likes to turn off lights and all kinds of shit. So we named it. And here we are. Yeah. Uh, fuck that. Um, I would be out of that house. Uh, and no, no, they moved. They moved since then. It's all good. Uh, okay. It's yeah, Louisiana. No. There's ghosts everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, true. Yeah. Especially in, in New Orleans. Uh, oh, yeah. It's like one of the most haunted cities, apparently. But yeah, I would. Definitely. Uh, the rats are way scarier than the ghosts, though. <laughs> the rat is a solid built motherfucker, dude. <laughs> it's like a chihuahua size uh, rat, you know. Yeah. Well, the around. rats go around drinking liquor all day. And they bark too, just like <laughs> It's actually terrifying. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I would shit my pants if, uh, yeah, I had any kind of paranormal experience, which I haven't that I know of. But um, we were in Savannah, and uh, we did a, a ghost tour one night. And uh, they're like, "Oh, you know, take your camera out and take a picture." And there was like uh, four orbs or four blurs in the camera. I'm like, "Yeah, fuck this. I'm out. Uh, I'm done. No I'm, I'm going to the bar. Yeah. I'm drinking." Yep. Kai, and, uh, Kai, well, Kai oh, disappeared. So he did, he did disappear. But he was to try to come back in. He said he couldn't hear anything. Okay. Yeah, I'll see him when he pops back in. We'll add him. But uh, and then uh, so they actually the cemetery they actually um, widen the road. So um, about six feet of the road, uh, there were still um, you know corpses and you know whatever you whatever you call it. We could get buried in the cinder block, whatever. Um, so they were actually still under the road, but um, yeah, it was uh, pretty eerily. Wow. Kai, can you hear us now? Yes, I can okay, hear. Perfect. Oh, yes. Hey, Welcome back. back. We were just oh, going to let you sit there and be the model, but uh, you know. 
Yeah, you're on mute, bro. I'm like, what the fuck happened to your boy? Yeah, yeah I, I muted once, and then I couldn't hear anything after that. But I'm all good now. I can hear it. So what was y'all? What were y'all talking about? Uh, we're talking about ghosts. ghosts. And you're the ghosts? person who you had in a, a haunted apartment. I, I did have a haunted here. apartment. Yeah. That was that was crazy. It was right on St. Charles. No. Nope. Not catching me. So um, it was like the only basement in the entire city of New Orleans, and it was the most terrifying place ever. Yeah, that's insane in its own. Yeah. It has some history to it. It was an old apartment. I mean, it'd be cool to uh, like experience, but uh, yeah, I would. Uh, I don't know. I, w- I would never be the same after that. So, uh, the name Zeta comes from the ghost. Um, so it yeah, that's our original rehearsal space. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a, a, a unique story for sure. So. Yeah, and it's it's, it's funny because like with all the haunting and shit that we somehow managed to write an entire album in that room. Yeah. That's actually where the entirety of Hardly Alive came from. Like. Hardly a lot. And, and to go back to circle back to the point about the EP and um, and the album, respectively, it was like, I guess another delineation you can make is like the EP was something that we kind of wrote separately. And then we brought it into the room and did the arrangements together. But the, the album was a lot more. I was talking to Kai about this the other day. The album was a lot more um, cohesive and, and democratic the way it was kind of brought about. And it was the first it was really the first work that we did all together, like The Wife, for example, which is the second track on the album is um is like the first song we ever wrote as zeta you know all together in the same room that we all kind of bred uh with each other and it was i think i think it shows in the album just the difference in the music the difference in the arrangements and how much in my opinion cleaner and more uh consistent it is and i think that we all gravitate towards the album for that reason Mm -hmm. and i uh bouncing off of that point it also in my opinion like the EP was sort of all of our first times really crafting something in a studio. Okay. And we kind of, we, we were maybe less experienced than we should have been going in there, but it was a sort of touching the so- stove, so to speak, type experience where we all kind of, we went in there, we figured out what we liked doing and what we thought wasn't efficient. And I think we rubbed all those out <coughs> and then uh, recorded the album much more smoothly and Okay. Much more cohesively, I think. So, uh, yeah. folks that are it was, just it was joining us, yeah, this is uh, Satriani Jr. right here, Bradford. So uh, he he drops the riffs. <laughs> but uh, what's up, Nick H? Thanks for coming in. So, folks in the chat, if you have any questions for the band Zeta, uh, do not hesitate to put them in the chat. Yeah, yeah shout like them out. Hell yes, we already got one. Uh, one, you know, fan crush of Brad expressing their love. So I see. Feel, free to, feel free to do that as well. Please. There's probably about 27 more of those. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. So, what was the? Um, I lost my train of thought. Shit. But uh, yeah. So the the, what is your favorite song that you guys created as a group on the album? Ooh. I that think everybody differ. might have a similar answer. Yeah. I think yeah. Let's I think go. Have- go, Brad first. I want to see what yours is. Definitely Magnolia Soul. Uh, mm. It's the second to last song off the record. Yeah, that one. A lot of, lot of, lot of guitar tracks in there. We just got to have fun <laughs> with that one. I feel like. I think there's yeah. either three or four guitars on that song. Yeah, man, we went all. <laughs> it, 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 it captures us the best. I feel like that's also my favorite song. I think well, it brings out what Zia is. Yeah, they, that no. song was also the most of a bitch to record. That is true. Yes. Like, yeah, literally, think- man. So much shit happened in that process. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't even think we were going to finish it. Right. So, I, honestly, I was um, I was taken back, a little bit blown away when I, I listened to the album. And I've listened to the album several times since uh, we started chatting. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't have a favorite. They're just all so well-rounded, and, and there's so many... They're all different too. No, no. Right. We tried to make it to where nothing's like very much the same. Like it's all cohesive, but it's not, you know, all like a little glued together thing. Yeah, like, you know? like certain like certain songs, you get certain vibes from past, you know, uh, artists, and uh, you just mesh so well, you know, with the the sounds and and how you guys do it. So, um, I mean, 
keep it up because you guys, I mean, that's a, you guys have such a unique sound that isn't heard um, in this era or this genre of music per se. Um, so I think, uh, I don't think, I know you guys could go uh, places with the sound that you guys have because it's so unique. So well, thank, yeah. you. thank you very much thank for you. that. And yeah, we have, we have uh, plenty more coming at some point. Uh, we're trying to figure out now when to actually record a lot, but we probably usually have at least two records worth of stuff just stockpiled really. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got a question in the chat. So Nick H uh, wants to know what would be the best venue to perform at and why? My apologies. I'm late. Not sure if this was asked. Um, I, I guess this is a this question can span a lot of things, but if he's talking about in general, at least from my vantage point, and I think we can all vouch for this to a certain extent, like the ideal venue, you know, if we had to pick, if it was like the world's ending tomorrow and we have to do one last show and you can pick anywhere on earth, it would probably be Red Rocks. Yep. And yeah, that's a very common one. answer. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think for a good reason. If it were in our hometown though, um, I think we'd all have a similar answer as well. And we, I've been fortunate enough to frequent this venue, which is Tipitina's, and we 100%. may, fingers crossed, depending on how things go, maybe back there pretty soon. So keep your eyes peeled for that, our fans in New Orleans. But um, but yeah, that's that's between those two, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I also want to shout out Fred's on that, man. Fred's has been great to us. And, Fred, um, one venue that I would like us to play that we haven't got a chance to is um, a bucket list of mine that, that Mike's dad's playing at soon with the, the last waltz tour thing. But um, the Sanger Theater, man, and I, yeah. I, everywhere in the world, I don't know why, but like it's been a venue in my head. I'm like, if I play there, then I've made it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Red Rock, I mean, just it's I call it the valley. I mean, it, yeah, I don't know what valley. you call it, but yeah. I mean, just being down there looking up at rows and rows and rows of fans. I mean, that I mean, that would be that's epic. I mean, yeah, and, and you're surrounded by, you know, the Red Rocks. And yeah, so that would be a killer setting. Um and uh, yeah, so what are some of your plans here in the near future? Um, we know, obviously, you just dropped this new album in uh, 2021, Hardly Alive. Um, any any album in the works for this year, tours, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think piggybacking on kind of what Dylan said earlier, there's just a lot of uh, the, 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 the challenge with this next project. We're not even really sure if we want to do an album, to be honest with you, because I think we felt in the last project or the last album, I guess it was just the problem was we maybe didn't feel and obviously we're biased in this, but we probably didn't feel like each individual song got its justice due. And mm -hmm. um, and I think we want to kind of correct that on this next project because we feel like each song, although they're cohesive, like Dylan said, it's just we feel like each one should have its own sort of spotlight. And even in the modern industry, thinking on the business side of things, it kind of just works to your advantage to like try to get traction, to release singles at a time, maybe three to two months spread apart, even a month spread apart, depending on, you know, what your touring schedule is like. Um, but we definitely plan to, in terms of touring, definitely plan to hit as many markets in the Southeast. We're kind of starting to break out into Houston, which has been great to us. And then okay. West Louisiana, Baton Rouge, Lafayette, obviously staying in New Orleans, but then getting down to the panhandle next year uh, to Pensacola, possibly Tallahassee, and just doing all kinds of Southeast stuff, looking to get up to Nashville and maybe even Atlanta. But I mean, obviously these are things that, you know, most Southeast artists aspire to do, but it's definitely like, it's definitely something that we, if you play your cards right, if we play our cards right, I should say, uh, it looks pretty promising. So that would be the tentative plan, I'll say, because nothing is set in stone. But um, that's that's definitely where where we would plan to be headed. Right. And we're yeah. getting on track now, finally, man. I mean, at, at first, when COVID happened, you know, nobody really wanted to book anything. They didn't know right. as things were changing. And um, but now it seems like things are getting back on track and we're getting some more traction, getting some more venues and um, always looking for more. So, yeah, it's going to be good. Right. And Michael brings up a good point. Uh, you know, the singles, it seems like a lot of uh, you get uh, a lot more traction doing singles uh, here and there compared to dropping a full length album. Right. Um, yeah, and, people just uh, don't have time anymore, man. Like back in the day, you could put on a whole album and just go front to back. But people's attention span now, I mean, especially with platforms like TikTok, man, you got 60 seconds to make an impression. Right. Yeah. yeah it's like a rat race now. So, yeah, right. right. Totally. Uh, so Nick says great goals. Uh, agreed there, Nick. I think more so videos that's... too. That's another thing. We, we oh, yeah. yeah, we're work working on that. We definitely need some right. more content that we're in. The, we're having in the works. Okay. Right. It could be music videos or just live shoot studio 
Shoot Content up. is king. Yes. Yeah, and uh, kind of uh, circle back to, um, like you were saying, TikTok and uh, the attention span. Um, so how do you think that has affected uh, the music industry um, now compared to when people bought CDs, records, vinyls, things like that? Because literally you can go online and, you know, Spotify, boom, listen to any band across, you know, right. uh, the world. Right. So I'm sure there's pros and cons to that. So. Yeah, so I, I say it's better in the sense of like avail with the availability so easily tangible. Um, it's good for artists because people can easily find your stuff, right? You don't have to like source out a record, or you know, it's easier to be found. But like you said, it turns into a rat race where everybody can do it now, which is great. I'm not discrediting it, but like at the same time, it makes it easier and harder. I think it's a lot more saturated now. Yeah, right. right. Okay, that's a great way to yep. put it. Too. Because I, I think agree. another thing that changed the sentiment was just the idea of not like it used to the sentiment used to be towards music, at least like just everybody, at least in the West, it, it used to be just like, I'm a fan of this artist. It used to be like a novelty thing to have a record. You know, you spend like you go take your your well-earned, hard-earned money from the week and you go to the record store and you buy your favorite Zeppelin album because you want to hear what they put out. And it's not like you can just I can just have it here now. Here's zeppelin 2 or whatever and it's like i think people it, it's kind of it's kind of overstated nowadays but i think for good reason because it's such a powerful thing it's just instant gratification has overtaken the music industry and like dylan said i don't know if it's for better or for worse because i mean you can there are so many pros that you can pull from it like there's so many mm. there's so many we've made so many more fans than we would have in the old school music industry where you just sell records like we have a a pretty significant like sub following in, in Paris, France that we got from like being on a Spotify playlist. And like, it's just mm -hmm. like that sort of stuff would never happen in 87. You know right. what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's just like, you kind of have to balance it out. Like my dad, obviously being in the music industry, he used to tour with Harry Connick Jr. And it's just like, he's a little bit um, not pessimistic, but obviously down on the industry and the way it's evolved. But I'm just like, you know, sometimes you can, you can have that attitude and you'd probably be justified because of all the ailments that come with it. But right. at the same time, there's a lot of really promising things and good things that come of it. Um, just being so exposed and so like uh, readily available, like Dylan said. Right. Yeah. And he's, and, and your dad's kind of seen both, you know, sides of the spectrum, you know, mm -hmm. CD sales and, and vinyl right. and record and um, you know, and now the, the digital era. So um and I, I collect vinyls and cassettes just because the, the the nostalgia factor. And as a kid, that's what we used to do. And, you know, you'd pop the CD in and the damn thing would get all out. You know, you'd have to re-spin it back together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, <laughs> same with the NES. You know, I collect NES games. And, and I, I, now that I'm older, I don't know how I did it as a kid because I want to throw the damn thing, damn thing through the window. <laughs> you blow on it 25 times. You got to push it in, put you know, wiggle it. And I'm just like... Yeah, I'm like, uh, how did I get by with this? So, right, and and exactly. even CDs are a step up from that. But like, once you you play the fuck out of a CD so many times, and then it starts getting all scratched up and starts skipping and shit. Yeah, and uh, man, the good old days. And uh, I remember riding the school bus, and they came out with the uh, the not the discman, but the little Sony player and the Walkman. Was, yeah, it was like skip proof. Um, you know, oh, yeah, it still skipped. Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> shaking too much. Yeah. Whatever. Your gimmick <laughs> didn't work. Still skipped. But, um, um, as an artist, what's been the best advice that you've been given? Mike, you should answer this with your dad's advice that you say at every show. Um, oh man, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. I don't know. Jeez. I guess to choose. Jeez, this is the loudest chair I've ever sat in. All right. Um, <laughs> So I guess the best piece of advice that I've been given, and it's not even directly music related, but it helped me in my pursuit of music in general, the, I think the most, more than anything else, um, was just my dad always telling me like, you can just, you can do anything you want if you set your mind to it. I would always ask him, I'd be like, like, do you think I could, uh, you know, be an athlete or whatever? Cause I wanted to be a basketball player when I was like 13 or 14 or whatever. He's like, you could do anything. It was consistently throughout my life. And like I think that being like stone set and stone in my head during my childhood is just like that empowerment and that like that that uh sort of uh reassurance is just like and it's true, like anybody can. Anybody can do something that they set their mind to. It's not 
so subjective to me. It's not subjective to whoever's raised a certain way. It's like anybody can do anything if they set their mind to it. And I think that's the most important thing to remember for artists coming up nowadays. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's very easy to get discouraged too, man. Like the whole time you go through stuff, like we've had some shows like, well, um, I won't throw any, any venues under the table, but, um, but yeah, so some shows like we've had, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to go in there and it's going to be a badass show and it's going to be a bunch of people, this and that. And you get there and there's like five people and those people <laughs> have the time of their fucking life though. But like, right. it's very hard to, you know, get everything going the way you want in your head and you're like, you were dead set on like, this is going to fucking kill and you right. get there right. blank. Yeah, but, um, but the, mind game. Yeah, but the piece of advice that I've always gotten from multiple people, mainly my dad, but, um, you know, uh, everybody that meets me, especially when I was younger, they're like, man, don't stop, don't give up. Like, I know it's going to suck That's sometimes and you're going to, like, yeah. hate your decision of doing this, but, you know, do it for the music. Yeah. Always right. remember why you started. Yeah. I think I think yeah, I may I have why, why you're doing it, too. Like, that's a good thing. Right. Yeah, and sometimes right. you just got to embrace the suck. And push oh, yeah. 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 It's true. No, I thrive off of awkward situations. I <laughs> but I definitely, I think I have a maybe more musical based piece of advice. Mm. So, for some backstory, like my dad grew up in the south of England and he moved over here and moved to meet his dad and live with his dad. Uh, but he mainly moved over here because he wanted to play blues music on guitar. And he knew, like, if I'm going to go anywhere, like, Baton Rouge, my dad lives over there. Like, I'll go do that. And uh, he used to go, he would play all these blues gigs. This young dude from England playing these blues gigs with all these old blues musicians that have been doing it since the blues was popular, you know? And he was going to all these blues jams and he'd always just be trying to prove himself. And he'd be trying to just throw out all his cool stuff. And then one day, the uh, the leader of the like jam stopped the show. He's like, Brad, that's my dad's name. So there's three Brads in the like Zeta family. Especially on Magnolia, there's three Brads. <laughs> yes, there are. But he told them, you know, you're talking. And these people are trying to listen to you. But you're talking too fast. You know, they can't understand what you're saying. So mm. what you need to do is slow down and say something. And I feel like he told me that when I was probably about 15. I was first really getting into the blues and learning all these blues songs. And then I was just trying to play them super fast and trying to let everything fly out. And he gave me that piece of advice. And that just shifted my gears backwards and uh, slowed me down and maybe made me think more about what's going to come out when I play before I play it. Okay. I mean, that's great advice. All right. And... Uh... So during uh, your show, what would be your go-to drink? Uh, <laughs> that's that's Brad's. Oh yeah, okay. I'll take this. I'll take this one. I I turn the band on. I turn the band on to Jameson. Jameson, I turn okay. them hard on to Jameson. Yeah. Pickleback or no pickleback? Pickleback. Pickleback. Okay. I, I like this <laughs> man. Yep. Nobody said shit. Kai was like, "Fuck pickleback." Right. <laughs> The rest are like, we don't drink that sissy shit. But no. Uh, nobody, nobody, nobody drinks pickle. No, nobody drinks pickle bags. There's this one time we had a gin and pickle juice drink and called the dirty pickle. That was our hurricane, hurricane Ida drink. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, was, it was just funny. <laughs> the but, dirty um, pickle. But yeah, we, 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 we do all enjoy the whiskeys. Yeah. Yeah, we do enjoy some good whiskeys. Yep. See, I can't drink. Uh, I love whiskey, but uh, I'm a three hitter quitter. Once I get three in me, I'm done. But I can drink <laughs> Bushlight all day long and be fine. So it's, uh, uh, it. you know, do I want to go to sleep fast or do I want to party for the day? Kind of, kind of. Yeah, oh, we, we don't also, even. The thing that's probably reckless is we don't even do the. We, we just we scare. We just go straight to whiskey. It's probably not a good thing. But it's just, I, I, I like to have. Yeah, where we really fuck up and we're set. Where we really fuck up? Well, actually, not really, but at the same time, yes. So, it's almost a ritual for a few of us, at least, every show to um, take some pre-workout before going on stage. <laughs> And we'll do that shit and then take some shots. And then maybe before the pre-workout, there's like a Red Bull or a coffee involved. 
a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of caffeine. Like we'll, at some point, we'll likely be heart patients, and I don't want to jinx that. But like, it, right, y'all are going crazy. With this people shit, are like, bro, people yeah. are like, you guys have so much energy. Those live shows insane. I'm like, yeah, we're insane. We fucking do gym <laughs> drugs, bro. We call I call <laughs> that shit like, gym yeah. drugs. Like that's we call it's for a good reason. <laughs> I remember years ago when they had uh, ephedrine. You could buy ephedrine over the counter. Mm. And uh, yeah. you would, you know, take a mon- energy <laughs> drink and take an ephedrine. I mean, you'd be wired for hours. So, yeah. And uh, yeah. the FCA pulled that because uh, maybe some hearts exploded, or you know, there were some issues with uh, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, we, nothing good. We nothing decided good. that it was uh, it was easier to be able to grasp buying um, pre workout versus trying to find a Coke dealer. So, right, it's a lot cheaper. It's way right. cheaper. Yeah. Way cheaper? Just get like 400 milligrams of caffeine. (laughs) Slam that shit. One shot. I mean, I mean, you might as well just go get the caffeine pills, crush them up, and snort them. I mean, get the same effect. (laughs) Y'all missing out. So that's your test. Um, I want you guys to try that and then get back to me how that turned out. Oh yeah, we're gonna do a control and everything. It'll be full like scientific study. Yeah, we're gonna be five trials. We'll be the five trials. How snorting (laughs) caffeine pills affects musicians' performance? I'm gonna get all some of those weightlifting uh, smelling salts. You know? Oh oh, no! On your back, yeah. Yeah, just totally. And I, I used to, we used to smell those in hockey. Oh my god, they're awful, but it wakes you up. Yeah, <laughs> Is that like a popular thing to do in hockey? I feel like it would be. You got to be fucking ant to get on that ice, man. Like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, you got to want to fucking fight everybody. Yeah, I, I mean, like, salt, you're like, all right, I'm, let's go. I'm gonna fuck <laughs> you up. No, so yeah, fucking polar bear style assault, bro. Fucking. <laughs> All right, so let's get into uh, some this or that, or not this or that, um, would you rather? So we're going to play a little game of would you rather, and uh, so the first question, would you rather always be rested or always feel motivated? Oh, you mean, wait, so you mean like rested as in like just chill, like always be chill? I think he means like not tired. Yeah, Yeah, not not tired, tired. rested up. I see, I see. Well, always motivated. Oh. I would say always motivated. I think so too. I think so. I can handle being tired sometimes, but I like to be motivated. Especially if I'm snorting caffeine pills. <laughs> right. right. You need to yeah, fucking pre workout. You can yeah, definitely have a pre workout in your hand. Bro, gotta get that tingle, but I, I think I'll take the opposite side on that. Yeah, I think like, so too, uh, honestly. Getting fucking think... old, bro. Like I need I need fucking sleep. Getting old. Yeah, I don't I say I that, but Donnie's like, fuck these kids. I, I love my sleep. I, I take my daily naps when I can. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> for real. Bro, if I haven't I had a nap hours. since like fucking 87. Like we should have like lunchtime and then nap time. I mean, that should like mm-hmm. coincide together. But uh, oh, they totally yeah. should. Yeah, they, they teach you that shit in kindergarten and then they just take that shit away. Right? Yeah, it's like, so they, like yeah. you get a little treat and they feed you the little bone and then it's like, ha, sucker. This is I was the kid world. that would never it's fall asleep in. during nap. Ta- I'd never fell asleep during nap time, and now I wish I would have. Right. <laughs> I was always fidgeting the whole time, and then I'd get home and I'd be like, "Man, I'm tired." I'd turn over to my friends that were trying to nap, and they'd be like, "Michael, shut the fuck up." I mean, they wouldn't say it in kindergarten, but yeah, they would. They would just be like, "Dude, go to sleep." I'd be like, "You're gonna get me in trouble." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. We have to be nap. We have to be sleeping. Like, can you imagine? Fathom in the public school system that was something that you had to do, and then they just fucking ripped it out of your hands. It was like, dude, mm-hmm. we need this Bro. in high school. That's important, right? Like now, yeah, kindergarten. Guess what? You don't, you don't, you get a fifteen-minute pee break now in high school, so you're lucky. And then you get so, chastised uh, when you come back because you were in the bathroom too long, probably hitting your right. babe like Bradford and Kai. Uh-oh. Uh oh. But these kids are soft now, though. Bro, look, when we were in high school, we used to have to hide like box mods and shit. These kids are getting busted with little jewels the size of a flash drive. <laughs> I remember, I remember kids going out, uh, sneaking out uh, behind the uh, the football stadium, smoking cigarettes, and uh, there was like a little, you know. So our stadium up north in Michigan, where I grew up, um, was kind of like in the ground. I mean, and then right behind it was a, a patch of woods. So everyone would sneak back there in the woods and try to smoke a cigarette real quick. But the funniest story I have, and I actually, my, they called my parents and my parents had to come and uh, kind of talk to me. I think this was like third grade. 
this is probably where my love of boobies comes from. But uh, I had a National <laughs> Geographic magazine. And uh, I took it to school. Like I used to like reading National Geographic and looking at the, the animal pictures and that. Well, this uh, edition had a African tribe in it. And you could see the women's titties. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, like, I'm like, oh, boobies. <laughs> so I take it to school and I'm well, like, we're on recess and I'm showing my friends out on recess. Like, you know, hey, look, boobies. Uh, so, yeah, they took my magazine. I never got it back. And they called my parents and my parents had to come get me. So I was I got in trouble for showing boobies in a National Geographic magazine in like third grade. <laughs> yeah, that's Damn, educating them. It is. No, it really that. is like all tongue in cheek humor aside that I feel like that's important for young kids to see. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's, mm -hmm. it's part of life, dude. I, I've loved boobies ever since. So <laughs> I learned a yeah. lesson. I like boobies. <laughs> you would love Bourbon Street. Uh, I, I, like I can, I go to Key West for the singer and songwriter festival and that's wild enough. Uh, I would probably, I would need bail money on Bourbon Street, I think. Oh, it's <laughs> you, have five, you have five pockets to choose from here. So, I mean, if you're ever in New Orleans, hit us up, dude. Yeah, for sure. It'd be a, a <laughs> epic party and you'll be like, I'll, I'll get there. And after we party for a bit, you'll be like, what kind of shit show did we bring? <laughs> like Bro. white trash Donnie walking around in his assless chaps and, you know. <laughs> dude, you went it's all in. Sweet, You'd fit right in. I swear to God. If, if I mean, I want to go to saying, New Orleans. So. If you're saying you'd be the best place on earth, like I'm, I'm, like I'm mellow on the show, but get me out and get a few beers in me. Oh my gosh, it's game over. So that's what I'm saying. If you, if you're saying you're over the top, you're gonna fit right in. Perfect. Well, we gotta, All right. we gotta change it, bro. Instead of so trashy, we'll bro, the... your boy's gonna be fucking um dangerous, Donnie, bro. Look out. Well, that's my other nickname, Donnie Dangerous. So oh shit, yeah. <laughs> there you go. He's ahead of us. Uh, on the head yeah, that one. Shit. I've gotten that one uh, a couple of years ago for all the dumb shit I do. So, all right. Well, now we have to firsthand experience this. We'll buy your airline ticket. Dude. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> if we weren't musicians, we would buy your airline ticket. Spirit uh, Airlines is your friend. Right. Forty dollars, you can get me there. You know, a backpack support, and hope. Support white <laughs> trash Donnie, aka Donnie Dangerous. I mean, like literally, we would have to vlog it. Like we would need some GoPros and just like literally. Like, make a stupid, like, we could literally be on MTV. We'll go gator hunting. Jackass yeah, right? 4.0? Right, like, I'll jump on a gator. I don't care. Like, Or, after, or like, we could just beers. go fishing. It's just a fucking water dragon, bro. I ain't scared of them bitches. <laughs> water dragon these nuts. <laughs> oh, my God. Splish, splash. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't fuck around in the waters here. We got the gators and the water moccasins, which I'm sure you guys have there. In oh yeah, oh yeah, we Louisiana got it as well. But... See, tell me why. Like, I'll, I'll fist fight the fucking water dragon, but I don't fuck with the nope ropes. The nope ropes. The yeah, nope ropes. <laughs> I remember yeah, we need uh, weeding around like uh, the pond, and like I'm just going about my business, and he's chilling there like on the bank. The little motherfucker like literally chased me like. For like a minute. Oh yeah, they're horrible. Uh -oh. And I just, I finally, I just turned around and weed whacked him until he died. But I was like, man, they're super aggressive. I can just yeah. see that shit spinning around. Right. I was like, shit. when I was growing up, string. I, I grew up uh, across the street from a bayou, like deep in like South Louisiana, like Cajun country. And we had this giant tree that fell down during Katrina and it, when it fell down, it le left like this huge, basically cave of dirt and roots. And there was a blackberry bush that used to grow there. And I would try to go pick blackberries, but there were like 10 water moccasins chilling behind it all the time. So I'd always go and then I'd hear the hiss and run away. <laughs> and then my grandpa would have to go and handle that situation. I was like, damn it, boy. You just put your hand in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can see him just walking out with like a small ass 22. What the fuck you worried about? Bah, bah. Nah, he had a <laughs> stick, bro. He had a fucking stick? Yeah, come on. This is this is the Cajun man. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. They're they're a little Flapping crazy the down there in the bayou. So It's, it's a different of, breed. It is. It's, it's all them cypress trees, bros. What's that? It's all the cypress trees. 
So what's the wildest story you have on tour or it doesn't even have to be on tour or a show? I, I, oh, just shit. talking with you guys, I know you, you got some Birmingham knife fight fan <laughs> party. <laughs> Bro, I'll just, no bullshit. You haven't partied in Alabama. Yeah, that, might, no. yeah, that was the first thing that popped up in my head. Same. Yeah. I, I, I was honestly like, the reason I bit my lip is I was like, I don't know if I want to tell that story because it was a little bit. <laughs> Fucking, we here now, bro. Fucking whole dick. I know, I know. And, it's fucked. It's it's why trash down. We got to share the story. But I, well, I, I don't know. Y'all could probably tell it better than I was. I was in the, well, okay. I'm not gonna spoil too much. Somebody else take it. Somebody else take it. Bro, so look, I'm chilling. Well, I want to hear a different bar. perspective because I didn't see it. I didn't. See I would love to hear fight. Dylan's perspective, bro. Yeah. Well, Bradford's <laughs> eyes lit up as soon as I said that. Bradford's like, I got one. <laughs> Go, bro. Bradford. No, nah, dude. Like, I'm chilling in the bar. I'm chilling in the bar, and like I, this lady was like scoping us out the whole night, fucking apparently, unbeknownst to us. And um, we're playing. We get done playing. We're packing up. We finally get everything packed up, and um, and we're sitting there. We're having a couple beers with the staff, and the lady walks out. And I just see her grab fucking Brad and Mike, and she just disappears. And I'm like, okay, this the, whatever. I don't really By the way, full it. disclosure: this is at the Nick in Birmingham, Alabama. Like, you're yeah. coming home with me, boys. Shut no, up. no, no, no. The, for the first thing was, do y'all want to have a van party? And the first thing in our head is like, what the fuck is a van party, right? So we're thinking like, so she's like, no, my van's in the parking lot. And she grabs them two and goes off. So I'm thinking like, okay, cool. So well, they just interrupt you quickly, Dylan. They went off with her because I said, yes, we'd love to go to a van party. <laughs> go with her and stayed behind. I did not know that. But, Way to um, go, Bradford, setting him up. <laughs> Fuck, I knew it would be a great story. Well, now now you see who your true friends are, Bradford. I was, I was protected from the knife fight, you see. I wasn't around it when it Oh, happened. yeah. So I had nothing fight. to do with the knife fight. <laughs> no, so look, so they get taken off, right? They're going to the fucking mysterious van party, right? Whatever the fuck that means at this point in time. And you I'm know like, what right, it means, cool. Dylan. I do now. I didn't know then. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm expecting them to get fucking put like they just okay well they just got kidnapped right they're in a fucking van I don't know what the van party means <laughs> anyway so at, so they get taken away it's, it's been about maybe like 20 minutes and um I'm sitting there I'm like okay well they've been kind of been gone a little while now and uh, I start to worry about them right so as I try to go check on them uh, these fucking two crackheads like just start getting in a fucking literal knife fight in the street while me and Kai are waiting on food that we ordered from this fucking like little food truck. For the record, these they were ni- they were fist fighting, and then someone from the crowd threw a knife oh. into the street. Who was the, the guy? Yeah, from the food truck. Yeah, the guy hops out of the food truck and he's like, "Yo, here, take this. Fucking defend yourself." <laughs> um, so, so threw the knife like, at one of them. Yeah, so, so like they bum fights. We have knife fights now. Yeah, <laughs> so they start fighting. Like eventually, like one of them just walks off. Whatever the fuck. Um, I don't. I think one of them got stabbed, but like nobody. No, died, he did, he definitely no, didn't nobody got stabbed, but he did nobody bust got... his ass, bro. Oh yeah, he went yeah, to fucking was like a steep <laughs> and he went to kick, and his feet just both flew out from him, <laughs> yeah. landed straight on his ass. I started. Laughing. And they're just in the middle of the street too. Bro. Anyway, all that shit happens. I'm finally like, okay, cool. I seriously need to check on Mike and Brad. They might not be fucking with us at this point, right? <laughs> so I um I go to the van that they're at and I knock on a fucking window because like I'm I'm nice or something, and I fucking uh, they let me in and like it, like so when I heard van party, I literally I expect like an air mattress, a fucking inside a van, whatever. No, right, just go ball and you know. Right, no, this bitch fucking decked out this van into a tiny house. Oh, nice. So I was yeah. thoroughly fucking surprised. <laughs> so um, so they're no, chilling. There's just a bunch of dudes in clown masks. Yeah, there's a bunch of dudes, and there's a fucking dog, and the dog's adorable as fuck, but it kept jumping on people any fucking way. So there's a dog, there's people, the van's like a tiny house, and I'm like, okay, they're safe, so cool. And um, so the lady, she finally gets everybody that she wanted in the van, I guess. And the lady goes, hey, man, um, y'all want some Coke? <laughs> and so Brad, Brad and Kyle are like, I mean, fuck it. Me and Mike are like, I think I'll pass. No, before um, that, I remember you coming back to me. I was in the bar talking to the bartender. Oh, yeah. I remember you coming back. I'm and like, yo, they're doing Coke. 
like Dylan's freaking out, like, dude, dude, they they about to do coke in the van. Come, come, come! Like, what, what the? Uh, so I was like, what the fuck is happening? So I went to the van, and then that happened. <laughs> yeah, she pulls out a fucking necklace. Like, I, I so I, I don't know why I expected like an elaborate fucking scheme of her having to go get the coke. This lady's like, hey, I want coke, and uh, they're like, okay. And she's like, uh, yeah, give me one second. Like, has a necklace on the entire time. Grabs a necklace, fucking untwists it, and pulls out a little baggie. <laughs> she had this planned in her head. She didn't know who was playing oh, yeah. that night. She just was like, all right, got my little necklace of coke, got my dogs in my car, got the clown masks, I got the toaster set up, I got the counter in the in the, in the van. We're going to have there a was a toaster. We're going to have our own little party. In the morning. <laughs> See, I was I was thinking uh, uh, something else. I I was thinking shagging wagon, like you came around the corner, the van was rocking, don't come knocking type of deal. <laughs> yeah, way better story than I was thinking. She was most certainly trying to make that what we, what it was. But, oh yeah, yeah. No, that was her intention, bro. It just didn't happen, and like we we low key feel bad about it, but like at the same time we don't. I mean, like nah, I took my leave before that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and <laughs> at at this point, she also. Good. She also invited us to a cult. Um. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, no, wait. Another story attached to the cult. Speaking of cults, we met a very interesting gentleman that we very much appreciate named Bubba. Not bullshitting you. Oh, yeah, Bubba. His name is Bubba. And uh, that dude was part of a, uh, some biker club, and he was uh, he was pretty intoxicated, to say the least. And, like, bro, that, that man was interesting. Bradford could probably elaborate more on that. Bubba showed us true southern hospitality. <laughs> That's the best way I could put it. And we'll leave it at that, right? Yeah. <laughs> See, New Orleans scares me because y'all go. Birmingham scares me. I don't know who does it. I, I don't know who. Like, I, it's not a cult, but they have all them damn voodoo dolls down there. Oh, yeah. That's real. Yeah. I'm like, that shit scares me. I'm like, I'm going to go down, I'm going to get possessed, and like, they're going to put a pin in it, and I'm going to feel it, and I'm just going to have my life fucked. So, I guess you I got to stay protected. Either. You got to stay protected against that voodoo bad juju. <laughs> right. Awesome. Know, we, well, this we, has been a hell of a show. We're 48 minutes in. So, hell, what? we could sit here and talk all day. <laughs> right. But, man, we can, we can make that happen, though, bro. I know a guy with some dolls. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> time, time out. Nope, I'm good. Time out. Time out. If you have any enemies, just let us know. We're on okay. <laughs> Can you make me? No, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> there's this one guy I don't like, so uh, I'll, I'll forward you his name. So no, it's going to be an encrypted email coming within the hour, right? So. Uh, Five thousand dollars if you can get rid of them. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> hey, that'll. Uh, anyone listening now or uh, in the future on the podcast, that was totally a joke. Do not call the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, five thousand dollars is five thousand. I'm just fucking with you. Right. I mean, twenty is a twenty. I'd do a lot for a twenty dollar bill too. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, would you rather lose your ability to concentrate or lose your creative ability? I'm going concentrate. I can. I, I don't concentrate yeah. as it is. So that's what I. That's exactly my answer. Yeah. To that. Yeah. I think. I think the ability to uh, be creative is probably the only thing we have consistently anyway. So, that's that's an easy answer. Honestly. Well, yeah. <laughs> I agree. There. All right, and this is a good one for the Bayou. Would you rather cross a river full of crocodiles or piranhas? I'm going with the crocodiles because piranhas are going to eat you no matter what. Crocodiles, yeah. I may have a chance. Yeah, crocodiles have... are pretty lazy, bro. Well, yeah, they gotta well, be hungry too. How wide's this river? Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll say a hundred yards just for the sake of it. Well, hear me out, right? So if you run oh. across that bitch, piranhas eat fast as fucking a school, right? But if you run across some crocodiles, use them as fucking logs, bro. Run across them, bitches. <laughs> yeah, that's, the crocodiles. that's the best chance I have, honestly. And it depends on how shallow that river is. So how yeah, fast just you uh go. you know throw a saddle on the back of the swim. crocodile and ride them across <laughs> oh that would be cool <laughs> that's I've ridden an alligator no, you, before. you gotta bring a bunch of rubber bands with you and just put it over their mounts that's i would say true it's time bro tape, that's what yeah. well i'm pretty sure you're like, very vulnerable when you're taping a crocodile's mouth shut yeah <laughs> to other I'm crocodiles, sure crocodiles and alligators right who said it's one crocodile is super strong but like they can't lift their mouth like but well, you, you can well, use the Bayou boys, so you know more about that than I do. So you, you can use them as logs. 
My grandfather one Wrap time it up. caught a Let's bring a bunch of rubber alligator. bands. He caught an alligator in his cast net and used the rope from the cast net, like the string from yeah. it, to keep its mouth shut when he like relocated it. Yeah, I'm not gonna mess with that. Uh, I'll leave that to you, by <laughs> yeah. you boys. So. You do if us. I do come to New Orleans, uh, yeah, you guys are uh, taking care of that for me. Thanks in yeah, advance. They, <laughs> they call them murder logs for a reason, bro. Murder logs. <laughs> All right. So, would you rather bring back Elvis or Michael Jackson? That's an easy one for me. There's shit behind me on that answer. I, okay. I, I can't. It's so hard to choose. It's like choosing your favorite child. It's like. I don't. I don't know. Elvis had. That's e it's easy, bro. Just pick one. <laughs> yeah, we'll flip a coin. <laughs> I, I, I think Elvis had a. He had an impact on me later in my musical kind of life, and Michael Jackson was like from the time I was like six to now. You know, I just always surrounded myself with that music. So. I mean, that's that the average cool. age for Michael Jackson. So, no, I'm just fucking with Hey, we got the fucking soundboard in here. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck so, yeah, yeah, sorry. That's uh, well, probably Michael a bad joke. Michael was touched by MJ. <laughs> <laughs> that's ignorant. Your ass was going to Neverland, bro. <laughs> Little boy forever. All right. So we are uh, nearing the hour and uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you guys on the show and you're more than welcome to come on the show anytime. Uh, so tell the fans and the folks listening, how can we find or get a hold of Zeta? Everywhere, man. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. We are everywhere, but we are online. You can go through the medium of our website to access all of our links and material and such. We are zetaband.com. That's the official website. And then we are zeta.band on Instagram and zetaband, one word, everywhere else. So wherever you okay. have your yep. online sources, your online presences, you can find us. It's Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Yeah, it, literally anywhere you can find us on all platforms, music's everywhere. And um, we're still working on getting merch onto our website but if you guys want merch you, got you can directly contact actually me from there as the booking agent still technically and you can tech you can uh contact the band via the website and wix.com so you could just send us a message in any way shape or form and we will make sure we get that merch to you awesome so you heard it there and uh if you were wondering what zeta sounds like take zeppelin steely dan rolling stones joe satriani mixed it in one they had a baby and boom we got zeta uh, so a pleasure having them on the show. Make sure you check them out. Give them a listen. Uh, their newest release, Hardly Alive, is a kick-ass album uh, with quite a few bangers on it. So definitely check them out. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for joining this episode of the Sloppy Syndicate. And remember, keep it sloppy, and we will see you next time. Thank you, man. Keep it sloppy. Appreciate it. Deuces. <laughs>